What's up, guys? Rachel Lindsay here, and I am teaming up with your favorite Ringer podcasters to deliver the Bravo drama and news that you've been craving on Morally Corrupt. It's the show about all things Bravo, from the housewives to summer house and everything in between. We'll be mentioning it all every week. Check it out on Spotify and theringer.com. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Okay, it is Monday, May 23rd. It's Top Gun week. Craig, do you have your tickets yet? No, but I'm looking to buy right now. And I got to say, a lot of theaters in Westwood, a lot of open spots for Friday. Interesting. Yeah, we'll see. The, the tracking on Top Gun Maverick has been good, but not Marvel good, not Jurassic World good, not A-list franchise. Tom Cruise still has issues with younger people and particularly women. I, I asked my, my fiance's younger brother is 20. And I said, mm -hmm. hey, do you want to go see Top Gun with me this weekend? Not only did he barely even realize it was coming out this weekend, he kind of had minimal interest in seeing it. He's like, yeah, I guess. Interesting. Big dad energy on that movie. Lots of dads yeah. are going to mm -hmm. be there. So I was talking about Top Gun this weekend and Tom Cruise, one of my favorite topics. And it reminded me of something from about 20 years ago, the Web 1.0 Hollywood Stock Exchange, which was a website that you could go to and fake buy shares of various movies, TV shows, actors, projects, and then you would see how it would pan out going forward. Uh, never lasted. I think it went out of business or, or got significantly downsized. Uh, I think it, it still exists as like a video game these days. But it's a nice concept. It's basically a podcast. And this is a podcast talking about Hollywood. So I figured we got Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg coming in today, and we would do our own Hollywood stock market. Pick some ups, pick some sells, pick things that we think are moving. I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Lucas Shaw of Bloomberg, and we are your brokers for the Hollywood stock market, with apologies to the Hollywood Stock Exchange. We're going to pick some buys. We're going to pick some sells. Lucas, have you been researching this all weekend? You know, I, I, I look every day in the Bloomberg app to see what analysts have buy, hold, and sell on. So I feel like this concept is, is made for me. I'm guessing the Bloomberg analysts don't look at movie stars and TV shows. Definitely not stars. They might look at shows. Like if you're if you're trying to figure out what to do about Paramount right now, you would have to have an opinion on how you think Top Gun is going to do. Or Warren Buffett. If you, if you think Warren Buffett has lost his mind for putting a couple billion dollars in Paramount Global, as I do, um, you might that might impact your r rationale for buying or selling. Maybe he's just a big Tom Cruise fan. 
He might be. I think this is a sweetheart deal. I think he's friends with the Redstones. But that's my personal opinion. Um, all right. So we're going to start this out. We're going to... I'll let you have the first pick, okay? Who or what or or what entity are you buying? Uh, I am buying Harry Styles. Uh, I, I'm buying him about as high as I can on the market. But he just came out with his his new album over the weekend. It's excellent. He's going on tour later this year. Uh, I will definitely be one of the people buying tickets. And he's also, I believe, got his his debut movie role, or not his debut movie role, but his his biggest movie role to date coming out later this year, directed by his girlfriend, Olivia Wilde. Yes, I saw the footage of that at CinemaCon. It looks pretty good. It's sort of like Jordan Peele-esque. It's like a psychological thriller. Um you know, Harry Styles is interesting. I would not have pegged him early on as being the full-on breakout of all the, you know, the boy band craze of a decade ago. Uh, how do you think he, I mean, other than just the music itself, how do you think he crossed over into the superstar status? It's been a slow and, and steady progression. I mean, I remember three or four years ago, he was he was coming out of, of One Direction and kind of Justin Bieber was the reigning young male heartthrob pop star at the time and Harry Styles music wasn't performing in the same way i mean his 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 initial album was pretty good it just didn't have that kind of that that breakout sales week especially not early on but then over the past kind of two or three years with a combination of consistently good music and a really great live show. He's just built word of mouth and attention around him. He was the the second best-selling tour in the world last year, I believe. I think he'll be a top five tour in the world this year if he if he plays enough dates. And he's now, I mean, the, the thing that always lagged with him was the streaming. He's now the fifth biggest artist in the world on Spotify in terms of monthly audience. So he's up there with Dua Lipa. He's up there with The Weeknd. I just didn't see that coming Um or, or, or at least not at that scale, especially because his music is not quite as bland pop as some of the other big stars. Like there is a little bit of texture to it. Um, and so he felt almost like, a, and, and he wants people to think of him as a star from a prior age. Yet he's got the kind of modern touches. He's like got the whole gender fluidity thing and he's, you know, doing movies. I thought he was great in Dunkirk in a small role. All right, I like that pick, even though he is about as high as you can get. Typically, you don't buy when the big album has already come out. But uh, I'm going to go with that. I'll agree with you on that. But my first buy, and it's partially due to where the stock is these days, I'm going to buy Netflix. I think that this correction that has happened, I mean, Netflix has basically lost 60 to 70% of its value over the past six months based on its subscriber forecasts, which are dramatically slowing down from what people thought. We've talked about that on the show before, but based on the fact that Netflix is now at around 185 a share, and they've still got this fire hose of content. They've still got 220 million subscribers around the world. They've still got the momentum of being the first mover in this space. I just don't think that when the streaming wars are finished and there are three or four global streaming services I don't think Netflix is going to be sitting outside looking at the party. They're going to be in the party. So I'm going to buy Netflix long-term. Stranger Things is coming out. 
that's going to be huge. And they did a smart thing with Stranger Things where they are splitting the season and allowing it to not only compete for the Emmys in two separate years, but they're making people stay subscribed. You can't just sign up for a day, watch all of Stranger Things, and then churn out. You've got to stick around if you want to see the final episodes. And they did it with Ozark, and they've done it with a couple of other things. I think that's smart. I think we're going to see a rebound, um, and Netflix is going to beat the numbers next quarter. So a lot of this depends on whether you're a, a, a short-term investor or a long-term investor. Someone, if you're looking for an, some immediate gratification with Netflix, I, I think this year is going to be pretty bumpy. Uh, but but long term, I'm with you. Um, you know, they're one of the, the the biggest services out there. They're not going anywhere. Um, and I don't know what to make of, of Stranger Things. They they if that's not a if that is not a huge hit for them, I don't know what's going to be. Um, I mean, why would it not be? I mean, it's their number one franchise. It's the only thing that is like meaningful outside of Netflix. They have consumer products. They have a you know a touring show. They have other things out there. It's been their signature franchise. Why would it? Why would this one not be successful? Only because it's been so long since since the last season. And I, I mean, it's going to be big. It's a question of is it going to be? They would like it to be the biggest show they've ever released, right? Their audience has gotten right. bigger. There's no reason it, it can't be bigger than Bridgerton. Well, there, but there are tens of millions more subscribers now than there were in 2019 when the last season came out. So it's, I think it's certainly going to be their biggest. All right, enough with the buys. Let's go to sells. Who are you selling? I am selling the, the multiverse. It is the, the hottest thing in, in movies right now. Spider-Man, the most recent Spider-Man movie featured multiverse components. It was the, the, the new Doctor Strange, which is the biggest movie in the world, has multiverse in the title. And even the indie darling of the moment, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, is is a multiverse movie. Uh, I, I'm going to sound like an ancient man with this. I find it all very confusing. And some of it also just feels like a very cheap way to try to bring in different characters and ideas because you can't tell a story uh, that just that lives on its own. Well, it's definitely that. It's definitely a way to bring in characters that are nostalgic for people while also quasi moving the story forward. I'm going to disagree with you. I think that multiverses are here for a long time. Marvel has basically said that this is going to be their bread and butter. If you look at the preview for the Flash movie coming out next year, it's got multiple Batmans. Michael Keaton's in it. There's two Spider-Man animated multiverse movies on the way. So I think that we're going to see multiverses for a long time. This this is clearly the way that Sony can can keep making Spider-Man movies because they've exhausted a lot of the most interesting villains and characters, but they can just keep bringing them back and recycling or using all the Marvel characters that come from the Disney side of things. You're probably right that it's going to stay stick around as as something that people use. I just find it very lazy, um, and uh, and maybe that's I'm just salty because I just watched Spider-Man on a flight. <laughs> creatively yes business wise i think i think it's going to be okay all right my sell i'm going to sell star wars i know it's tough to say that when what's likely going to be the biggest show they've ever put out is about to release in uh, obi-wan kenobi um, which i actually am looking forward to and will watch but i just think the star wars franchise is has come off the rails the film franchise is basically dead you know they they absolutely killed it with that last J.J. Abrams' Star Wars movie. They have nothing coming for... There will be at least a five-year break between Rise of Skywalker and whatever comes next. That was in 2019. So, and I think longer. The They've basically pivoted it 
to TV. And they did a, a Vanity Fair piece this past week where the head of Lucasfilm, Kathy Kennedy, talked about all the great shows that are coming up. They've got Ahsoka, they've got Andor, they've got Mandalorian season three, they've got a, an untitled show with John Watts, the director of No Way Home. Uh, he's doing one for them. They're basically flooding the zone with all of these Star Wars TV shows, and they're hoping that it will be like Marvel, where you know it's sort of an always-on franchise. The problem is Marvel still has a robust film franchise that is sort of powering all of these shows. So I I just I think that Star Wars has lost its way. I think that these all these different shows are going to be kind of the same and people are going to start to lose interest. They will become less special and unless they can figure out a way to reboot this film franchise in some way that makes sense to the fans and and takes it forward and beyond those original characters, they're in trouble. I don't think it matters whether it's a movie franchise anymore. I I know that look, I grew up watching those movies, but I, like a lot of people, didn't love the the, the latest in- incarnations. It felt like they, they really struggled to figure out how to make a new Star Wars movie without just remaking the old ones. Whereas TV makes so much sense because you have all these different worlds and characters you can explore. There's too much of it for me as a viewer, but it's sort of hard to argue with the results. Mandalorian is... You know, a huge reason for the success of Disney Plus. This new Obi Wan show feels like it's also going to be huge. I can, I can, you know, I, I can skip it, and there'll be tens, if not hundreds, of millions of people who will keep Disney Plus or watch Disney Plus just because of the Star Wars shows. Maybe so, but I, I do think you know they entrusted the film franchise to J.J. Abrams, and he essentially remade the first movie, and then was brought back to do the third movie, and essentially kind of just did crowd-pleasing stuff to get people in, get people out, didn't think about what would happen going forward. On TV, they absolutely lucked out because Jon Favreau came in, made a Mandalorian show that was something that was unique, felt true to the original movies, but brought it forward. And I do agree they they have something there, but now they're just milking that. I mean, did you watch the Boba Fett show? It was basically Mandalorian show. They just called it Boba Fett and had a very uninteresting Boba Fett character at the center of it. They can't keep doing that. It's going to have diminishing returns. So I, I just I, I think that a lot of these things. The reason why we you know these streaming services have problems with franchises is because there isn't that big film moment. And Star Wars is ultimately at its core a film franchise, uh, and they need to restart that. Why not have Favreau do a Star Wars movie? Like it's sitting, he's sitting right there. He probably has an idea. Instead, they they've gone through Ryan Johnson, the Game of Thrones guys, Patty Jenkins, all of these people that have sort of come and gone in Star Wars movies, and they just can't figure out something to greenlight. I think the problem on the movie side is that is just the specter of the original films looms over them, and so they're very scared to do anything that would upset fans of the original movies and the thing that works for them a little bit on the TV side is there's a lot more flexibility which is why I do I as soon as the Mandalorian popped I just felt like the future of the Star Wars universe was on television and whatever they do in movies no longer matters that much you could be right that they need it long term and obviously I'd love to see a great Star Wars movie in two years or four years or five six years whatever it is but the, the TV is, is is where it's at and I think it actually works better on t- a lot of the a lot of those Disney properties, Marvel too, work well on TV because you can take a bunch of different characters and explore. True. All right. So, what's your next pick? I, I'm going to go back to the buy side, and I'm gonna I'm gonna buy DC Comics. 
Uh, I've always preferred the interesting. The, yeah, I've always preferred the, the the DC universe to the to Marvel universe. Warner Brothers and and Time Warner and Warner Media and all the different names have struggled with what to do besides make Batman movies that people love. You know, they and, and that and the Greg Berlanti TV shows on CW have worked for a very specific, largely young female audience. But you have David Zaslav coming in. And we we know one of his very top priorities is figuring out how to turn DC into the the Marvel engine for this company. It can spit out hit movies year after year and TV shows. Now, people have tried it before and it hasn't worked, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here and believe that they will try, they will find the, the right new leader for DC to kind of reinvent it and come up with movies and TV shows that people want to watch. Because on the movie side, I do feel like things are already getting better. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is people shit on DC all the time only because it's compared to Marvel. And they had some missteps with all the Zack Snyder nonsense and those movies that were legitimately bad and the fans didn't like, except for the hardcore super fans. But, you know, Aquaman made $1.1 Joker, which a lot of people thought would be a disaster, was you know, an Oscar-nominated movie and gross, what was it, 800 million? Something crazy. And they have they have stuff coming out. They have another Flash. They have Black Adam with The Rock. Like, they've done okay with the DC properties. It's just, it's not Marvel. And the new ownership of Warners wants Marvel. So they're going to try their best to do it and bring someone in who can manage that. And they need to figure out how to take all the great things that have happened on the TV side in like the Greg Berlanti universe and move that on to HBO Max in a big way. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they're already doing this with the Penguin show that is going to be based on the Colin Firth character. No, it's based on the <laughs> Colin Firth, Colin Farrell character in the Batman. Um, and I think that's going to be the model where they're going to plant these characters in the movies and then spin them off as shows. Um, all right. My last sell. Got to go with Pete Davidson. I know he's got fans. I know the Kim K army is going to probably come after me. But this guy, I mean, how long is this going to go on? He's finally announced on Saturday that he's leaving. He's leaving SNL. Um, He has a couple things in the works. He's got this Kaylee Cuoco movie called Meet Cute, which will probably be bad. Uh, He's got a horror movie called The Home that seems pretty low budget. He's the biggest name in it. But uh, I just, I don't see Pete Davidson's star lasting long-term. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting question because I probably would have agreed with you like a year or two ago, but I feel like he's done a really good job of, of staying in culture and earning a certain type of fan base. That he, he dates celebrities. That's how he stays in the culture. No, but I, I don't know. I thought, his, I thought his movie that was released during the pandemic was pretty solid. King of Staten Island. Yeah, it wasn't bad. That was an Apatow movie, though. So Apatow kind of took him under his wing. I just, I don't know. Bigger picture here. I don't know that SNL is this engine for stardom that it once was. You'll have a show... You know, Lauren will probably produce it if you're Keenan or A.D. Bryant or someone like that. But I just don't see the next Will Ferrell, Adam Sandler, Chris Rock. I don't see those people coming out of SNL. It's just a different time. The culture is different. Yeah, I mean, SNL has not created a new star in a few years. And it mostly speaks to the audience that is less relevant for star making at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, there are exceptions. I mean, obviously, Jason Sudeikis, huge TV star. Bill Hader, huge TV star. I mean, th- it does happen, but that's kind of the last generation that did that. This current cast, I mean, Kate McKinnon has had her shots with multiple movies, hasn't quite turned into stardom. She will get more shots, I think. She's like the one that people think is legitimately talented and could go the long term. Uh, the others, I just don't know what the next steps are. Kate McKinnon is one really well-reviewed TV show away from being a bigger star. Agreed. And it's not Joe versus Carol or whatever that nonsense was. All right, we're going to see how we do in the picks. Obviously, this is not investing advice. <laughs> do not do not go to the Bloomberg terminal right now and say, the guys on the town told me to buy or sell this. Appreciate your time, Lucas. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. All right, we are back with the call sheet. My daily prediction, producer Craig, I got close on Downton Abbey last week. Mm. I predicted that it would come in at, at the under 15 million, which would have been about half of the 31 million of the previous movie's opening. It was 16. So I lost. I will accept defeat. Close is not good enough in this league. That's right, Matt. You need to be perfect. You have a podcast for a reason. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I will I will take that I was close, but I am going to accept defeat on that one. It, it was uh, not quite as much of a flop as I thought it would be. All right, let's move on. Today, I want to make a prediction about SNL. We saw on Saturday, four of the 25-member cast decided to announce they are leaving. Um, it's Kate McKinnon, Kyle Mooney, Pete Davidson, A.D. Bryant, gone. Probably two seasons after most of them should have left. But I know pandemic and Lauren wanted to keep them around and they were able to do other things. My prediction today is that this is not the end, that we're going to see probably three, four, maybe five other SNL cast members get the boot or decide they're leaving before the premiere of the 48th season. I just think that this is the perfect time to cut them loose. Why is this the perfect time? Uh, Because they have carried this giant cast through the COVID shutdowns, in part because the show has kind of evolved and it's less a showcase for, you know, small number of people. And partly because they needed to have this big cast in case they had COVID outbreaks that took people down. They didn't want to have a cast of 10 people that all of a sudden couldn't do a show. Plus they allowed, Lauren has been allowing people to do other projects outside of SNL, especially if he produces them, like he produces A.D. Bryant's show. And he's been involved in a couple of other projects that he's allowed people to go off and shoot during the season, which is was never something you could do uh, if you were on SNL. You did that and that was it. Well, do you, do you think cast members who are kind of the more famous members like, like Kate McKinnon, do you think they would even stay at SNL if they weren't allowed to do other projects while currently on the show? Probably not. That's the whole trade-off is that they, he really wanted to keep Kate because he knew that she was the big star, but Kate had other options. And it used to be that you would go off in the summer and do a movie. Yeah. But now the way that that everyone can fly all over and you can, you know, jet in and out. And I think the trade-off they made was, okay, we get to keep her, but she's not even going to be there for the first few episodes of the season, which is what happened this year. And he never used to allow that, and now he does. So you think SNL is going to go back to what it used to be, where it's a much smaller cast, less famous, and they're going to be there for four, five, six years until they eventually leave to go try and become a movie star like Will Ferrell? No, I I don't think it will get that small. I think that they will trim it. It'll still be in the teens. They'll still be 
a lot. Too many people, in my opinion. I just think that era of having a small cast is kind of over. They need that flexibility, especially since they do more taped bits that take people out of the office and things like that. I just think that they're going to, they need to trim the herd a little bit. And, you know, there's been some grumbling from the cast members that once you get on SNL, it used to be that that was the ticket to stardom. They haven't made a lot of big stars in the past few years. And I think part of that is because it's hard to get to know the cast when you watch. You you don't know who people are because they're barely on the show. Yeah, when there's like 10 people on a show and, and they're constantly forced to be in sketches with each other all the time, you get to know them and you get to enjoy the dynamics between certain cast members. And sometimes like a sketch will pop up and somebody in makeup will walk in and I'll be like, I barely even know who this person is. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a problem. It's not great for the cast. It's not great for the viewer. And Lauren is smart enough. He's been doing this show almost 50 years. He's got to know this. You know, there are reasons why they kept these people around. And now's the chance. Yeah, this is a pretty big exodus for SNL. If your prediction is right and a few others start leading, maybe some heavy hitters like Cecily Strong, then this will be one of the bigger departures of, uh, of a major group of cast members in a long time. I think that 2012-2013 year was when Sudeikis and Andy Samberg and Bill Hader all left. It kind of feels like that's happening again right now. So I think the next few years is going to be a real rebuild period for SNL. And we'll see if they bring on anyone new. Hope they find new talent. All right. That was today's show. I'd like to thank Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg. I want to thank producer Craig Horbeck, and I want to thank you. We'll see you later. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.